0: you think of Jesus, what word comes to mind? Friend? Love? Lord? Creator? One day Jesus turned to his closest followers and asked a personal question, who do you say that I am? Today at the Radio Backyard Fence, she is back. That tireless transmitter of biblical truth, Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth, returns for a conversation about the most influential person in history... She uses this word for him, incomparable. We're going to talk about that today on Chris Fabry Live. Welcome to the continuing conversation. If you need a little bit of encouragement today for your soul, a a reboot, don't miss what we have for you. Straight ahead, find us online, chrisfabrylive.org. We thank our team members behind the scenes. Ryan McConaughey doing all things technical. Trish is our producer in the chair today. Anthony is answering your calls. Tom Mathis is helping out at the home office. And I have to thank uh, some other folks who have supported us in the cold month of January. We have a little more than a week left for you to take advantage of our offer this month. Dr. Bill Thrasher wants to help transform your prayer life. We're going to be talking about that with Nancy here in a minute. If you realize that you struggle with prayer, that might be God's way of nudging you toward himself. Don't look at it as as a negative. I struggle with prayer. I struggle with prayer. That might be God saying, okay, come on a little closer. Early in the book, Dr. Thrasher quotes D.L. Moody, who said, I would rather teach one person to pray than 10 people to preach. Don't miss this practical biblical guide that is is there to put power in your prayer life. If you feel like your prayer life is non-existent, click through today, chrisfabrylive.org, scroll down, you'll see Dr. Thrasher's book, it's our thank you right now. If you support us with a gift of any size, chrisfabrylive.org, or you can call 866-95-FABRY, 866-953-2279. Thanks for being a back fence friend or a partner. I'm going to work on my nines, Ryan. <laughs> 2279. At the end of December, we re-aired a conversation with Nancy demoss Wagamuth from the It was, I think, our first live program of 2023. It was about Bible journaling. And it was one of the most helpful and practical conversations about digging into God's Word that we aired all year. And people responded at the end of December, too, sending emails uh, talking about how good that was. I found out that tomorrow, Nancy's new book, Incomparable, releases, and I want you to hear more about that in this hour. Nancy DeMoss-Wagenwith, If You Don't Know?, is the founder and lead Bible teacher for Revive Our Hearts, a ministry dedicated to calling women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ. You hear her on Revive Our Hearts and Seeking Him. Her latest is Incomparable 50 Days with Jesus. Nancy and her husband, Robert, live in Michigan, where I hear there's a storm about to roll in. Is that true, Nancy?
1: Well... I haven't left the house today because I'm in a <laughs> home studio, so I'm toasty and warm and whatever it's going to do outside, uh, thankfully we have heat and we're prepared for it.
0: You're ready. <laughs> well, it's great to have you back again. January is, is becoming a, a tradition for us to get together in January.
1: Well, that's a, 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 um, I like starting the year that way, and I always like on Revive Our Hearts encouraging our listeners as you do, uh, to start the year with just a fresh vision for knowing God, for seeking Him, for waiting on Him, for getting into His Word, and cultivating relationship with Him. Of course, that's an emphasis we need all day, every uh, day of the year. But there's something about just as that calendar turns to a new page in a new year that Maybe gets us a fresh breath, and um, mm-hmm. you know, let's let's not go back. Let's go forward in pursuing all that God has for us in this year. So, nothing better than talking about spending time with Jesus, which was my goal for writing this book, incomparable. Yes.
0: So Jesus asks his followers, "Who do you say that I am?" That's a big question for you, for me, for all of us, right?
1: Well, it is. And first he asked them, who do others say that I am? And, of course, everybody has an opinion about Jesus. Uh, And people think of him as a good worker, a good teacher, or a fraud, or an imposter, or a charlatan, or um, just all kinds of different opinions. But then Jesus took it back to that much more personal, who do you say that I am? That's what he asked his disciples. They had walked with him, lived with him, heard him teach, seen him heal, and he says to them, who who do you say that I am? He had been telling them who he was little by little. But he wanted to know, did they get it? And, you know, they got it in degrees. They got it in stages. Their, their understanding grew. And isn't that true of ours? You know, I grew up in the church, in Sunday school, in Christian school, in a Christian home. I'm so thankful for all of that. Uh, and if you'd asked me when I was, you know, At the age of four, when I first trusted Jesus as my Savior, who do you say that Jesus is? I would have had a very simple, childlike answer, but as I've gotten into God's Word and grown and come to know and love Him more deeply and experienced some uh, of the mysteries of His providence and some of the hard things of walking um, in this life, today, now 60-some years since that first encounter with Christ, I know him better. I love him more, but it's still a process. I'm still in progress of getting to know who he is. And at the end of the day, when we face him, knowing who he is and that he is who he said he was, and that there is no one like him, not even close, that's going to be the only answer that will go with us well into eternity.
0: So this new book, Incomparable, uh, harkens back to Oswald J. Oswald Sanders, right?
1: He wrote a book many years ago. He's an old-time New Zealander author, and I like during the uh, the weeks leading up to Christmas, some people call it the Lenten season, uh, but I've always, uh, many years, I've looked for a devotional that would be tailored to the weeks leading up to Easter, on the work of Christ, on the death of Christ, the the saving work of Christ. And Sanders has uh, wrote one years ago. He's in heaven now, but it was called The Incomparable Christ. And he traced—he didn't write it for Lent, but I used it as a devotional book during one Easter season. And it was so impacting on me. I was just—things I'd known and heard before, but they just hit me in a fresh way. And he examined from before Christ was born on this earth, the pre-existent Christ in heaven, what was he doing there all the way through his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and what he's doing in heaven today? And I just took one chapter at a time and soaked in it, soaked in the Word, looked up the references, and it really helped me to fall freshly in love with Jesus. So fast forward some years later I, on Reviver Hearts, I actually taught through the topics in that book and unpacked those different chapters of Jesus' life and work and ministry. And then eventually that teaching series became this book, Incomparable. And um, I, I'm just so thrilled. It's been a journey for me writing it, but I'm so thrilled for readers, whether it's during the Lenten season, which is one great way to use it, but really any time of year, to just stop and take time and say, who is Jesus? Why did he come? What did he do? What did he say? And to be changed, because the scripture tells us that as we behold him, as we gaze upon him, we are transformed into his likeness. So you become what you behold. and. I want to behold Jesus and become more like him. So this is, we could call it a devotional, but it's really intended to be a journey, spending 50 days or more. There's no hurry to get through it, but there are 50 short readings on who Jesus is, what he said and what he did and why he did it, and including a week after Easter. So it doesn't just stop on that glorious Easter Resurrection Day, but it even goes a week beyond to say, what what is there beyond the resurrection, and what difference does it make in our lives?
0: And I love the questions. Sometimes it's just sitting with the questions that you give after this. Let me take a quick break. We'll come back with Nancy demoss Wolgemuth today. Incomparable, 50 Days with Jesus. It's our featured resource today. Go to chrisfabrylive.org, click through today's information. You'll see it listed right there as a link. At chrisfabrylive.org. More with Nancy straight ahead on Moody Radio. We're talking with Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth today at the Radio Backyard Fence. We're talking about the person of Jesus. Who was he? And and how many people have you ever said, well, so who's Jesus to you and who's Jesus to you? Incomparable, 50 Days with Jesus is the book that Nancy has written. You can find it at chrisfabrylive.org. I'm going to open the phone lines for you here if you have questions or comments, or maybe you want to, you want to talk about who Jesus is to you, the word that you would use. I asked this of uh, Brent Hansen, who was on with us uh, last week or the week before that. And in his latest book, he quoted Dallas Willard as saying the word he would use for Jesus and his ministry as he reads the Gospels, Willard used a specific word that took Brant aback when he first heard it. And the word was, is, relaxed. When he thought of Jesus, he, th- he thought relaxed. And the reason he used that was there's, there's no anxiety here. He's not anxious. He's not hurried. He's not stressed. Oh, look at the look at the time. We got to get over. <laughs> we got to get over here. He's available to those who want to engage with him at the well or where you know somebody touches him in a crowd and he turns. Well, who, who touched me? He he is. So I, I want you to react to that. Relaxed. What do you think of that?
1: well um, it certainly pictures a portion of a, a part of Jesus life and you're right he's God so why need to no need to stress or be anxious uh, he made time he inhabits eternity so he would never need to be in a hurry but one of the things I love about Jesus many things I love about him is that you can't There's not a word, unless it's incomparable, uh, that describes or defines him, because here you have fully God and fully man. You have him inhabiting eternity, but coming into time. You have him sinless and yet taking the place of sinners. And you have him holy and merciful. You have him breathing out fire against religious uppity-ups who think they're fine. And then you have him merciful and tender and drawing near to people who the world considered great sinners who were drawn to him. And so he mystifies us. He perplexes us just about the time you think you've got Jesus figured out. He does something that just utterly surprises you. And even no matter how long you've known him, I've been reading the Bible and studying about Jesus and loving him, as I said, for over 60 years. But I never cease to be amazed that I can't pin him down. I can't, um, you know, uh, Chris, you won't, I know you've not forgotten this, but nine years ago next week or so, I was on with you and you were on this program and you were asking Let's ask Nancy some questions. We want to get to know Nancy. <laughs> and about two thirds of the way through, you started with like the real simple ones. Have you ever had a pet or where did you grow up? But then you got to have you ever been in love? And what you didn't know at the time was that I had just had what turned out to be my first date there at Moody Bible Institute in, a, in an office, um, in a a friend's office, and Robert Wagamuth, who I had known professionally, I had known his late wife professionally, and he had come there to the campus to meet with me. I was there for Founders Week, and he wanted to know would I be open to a friendship that ended up nine months later with us getting married uh, over eight years ago. And when you asked me, have you ever been in love, my stomach just got alert because I couldn't tell you what was going on at the moment. You were one of the first to know, but I couldn't tell you, you know, like to the whole world that day. I didn't even know what I was thinking. And I'm my heart is going, am I in love? Am I, am I? I'm not sure. So anyway, that was the very beginning of a courtship that now, nine years since that date, we have, that's nothing for people who like, you and Anita, who've been married a long, long time. Andrea, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, you guys are old timers. But for us, this has been just a sweet, sweet journey of getting to know each other better. I thought I knew Robert when we got married. And I knew him more about him than I did the day you asked me that question. But I knew so little about him. And we've spent these years, I've spent these years getting to know him, getting studying him, finding out more about what matters to him and how he's wired. And um, it's just a kind of silly little picture of what we do with Jesus. The more I know Robert Wagamuth, the more I love him. Now, Robert and Nancy Wagamuth both have flaws and faults, and we sin, and we need God's mercy and grace every day. But with Jesus, the more we know him, the more we enter into and try and uh, un- pack the mysteries of who he is and his ways and pick a word for him. Well, what it looks like today is going to be we're going to see a different angle on him tomorrow and like a, a prism, a beautiful gem or jewel where he shines differently depending how you look at him and where you see him in the scripture. So it's a never ending journey, which is why I say I, I'm appealing through this this latest book, spend 50 days, not you know spend the rest of your life but take 50 days just to focus on some of the different wonderful incomparable aspects of who Jesus is and the better you know him hmm. the more you will love him
0: you know piggybacking off of that there there is this thing about when you especially if you're young and you fall in love the 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 things that bother you early on don't matter very much and then they can a little bit later on and you have to work through those things but there is there's this um, this thing that happens in relationships that i'll say yes to you because because of the the vision that i have for you <laughs> that i want to change you into the person that i want you to be mm-hmm. and so and that's that's you know takes some counseling and some some marriage uh, struggles through the through the years But the way that it impacts Jesus is, I think a lot of people come to Christ, they become a Christian because they want to be forgiven, they want to have the righteousness of Christ on them, they want to have this relationship, forever relationship with God. But they, they take Jesus as they think he is rather than who he is. And going through this book is 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 an exercise in doing that, not to cast Jesus in our own image, but yes. to, to know who he really is. Talk about that.
1: And thankfully, he has revealed himself to us in his word and by the, his Holy Spirit who lives in us. So he wants us to know who he is. But you're right, we have... Um, all kinds of, you know, we construct all kinds of images. The world tells us what we should think about Jesus, or if he does something in scripture and they look at it and they say, that, that, no, nobody good would do that. He couldn't be God if he did that. And we have those voices in our heads and in the news and in a lot, you know, some popular um, culture, music, writings. But when we go to his writing, to his word, From Genesis to Revelation, I'm teaching through the Scripture right now, and I've spent the last few months in the book of Genesis. I'm living in the book of Exodus right now. Leviticus will be next. And every page points us to Jesus, to his wonders, to his majesty, to his compassion, to his wisdom, to his brilliance, to um, his—everything we need, he is. He's the Savior that we need. He's the God that we need. He's the bread and water and life that we need. He's the creator that we need. He's the lover for whom we long. Everything he is is for us and is exactly what we need. So if, I, if we spent a lifetime searching him out, getting to know him, studying him, it would not be long enough to know him as he truly is
0: you write, he possessed every grace, every virtue in perfect tension and balance. Not one of them was missing. Think of that. We've never seen what sheer perfection looks like in a person. Perfect symmetry between the inner and the outer. Perfect alignment of heart and character. It's almost impossible to envision such perfection. Yeah. And that's, what, that's who he is. It's who he was.
1: Because we're looking through imperfect eyes, we're surrounded by imperfect people in an imperfect, broken, fallen world, which is why the wonder of the gospel is that God sent his perfect son, God himself, sent Jesus down to this earth, crashing into this planet in a very quiet, understated sort of way, and bringing the glory of God to fallen men who had been banished from the Garden of Eden, had been separated from God. God says, I love you. I want to redeem you. I want to draw near to you. I want you to draw near to me. I want you to be mine. God wants to live with his people. Well, how could he do that with sinful people? He sent his perfect son, Jesus. That's wonder enough. But then the wonder that Jesus would take on that human body and would be made sin for us. He would take on my sin and yours and all the sin of the world, all the deception and dishonesty and, and corruption and wickedness. He would take it all on himself, not with any sin himself, deserving none of that payment. But he took the judgment of God, the wrath of God, so that we could be declared righteous as he is righteous. I mean, all that you just read about Jesus being perfect, he has imputed to us his righteousness, and one day we will be like him. We will see him as he is, and we will be sanctified holy through and through. It's a wonder. I, I know I use that word so many times, but um, it's, it, it never ceases to amaze me.
0: Which leads me to a question, and I want to give you the—let uh, me give you our phone number, folks. If, if you're listening today and you have this conception of Jesus— that you want to talk about. Maybe it's a a hard providence that you've had. I I don't understand this. 877-548-3675. 877-548-3675. Incomparable, 50 Days with Jesus is our featured resource at chrisfabrylive.org. Click through today's information. I've asked this question to a number of people. I'm going to ask you. I have this recurring problem of believing I don't have a problem believing that God loved me and gave Himself for me. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. I have not been able to overcome my disbelief in how He would want to spend time with a knucklehead <laughs> like me. You know, I believe in His grace and His mercy, and and you know what He has done to make me, uh, to, to make me in Christ. But I have a problem seeing his delight in me and why he would – do you know why he wouldn't just – if I show up in the room, why he wouldn't just shake his head and roll his eyes, oh, here he is again. What what do I need to know or do in order to overcome that?
1: And that's the way we are, right? When we see others who've disappointed us or let us down or they've been knuckleheads to us or wrecked our plans, we roll our eyes and our – natural tendency is to want to put up walls, not to draw near. Uh, but when you get into the Scripture, you find the, the amazing intimate relationship that God the Father has with God the Son. They are one, but they are three persons in one. And they, um, the Father loves the Son. The Father delights in the Son. The Son delights to please the Father. I mean, there's just this beautiful relationship between the Father and the Son. And then when we are put into Christ, when He becomes our Savior and our life, we are united with Him. God sees us through the same eyes that He sees His own Son. So He wants to be with His Son, Jesus. And when we are in Christ, Mm -hmm. He wants to be with us. Now, do I understand that? No. Do I believe it? I'm growing to believe it. Yes, I keep pressing into to belief, believe right? it. <laughs> you know, I think of that picture in the Song of Solomon of the king picturing Christ himself who goes out into the – he wants a wife and he doesn't go to the city where all the rich, prominent, blue-blood girls are. He goes out into the countryside and he picks a poor peasant girl who's been working hard on her family – Farm and she's her skin's been toughened by the sun. And he goes and he picks her and he says, I want you to be my wife and I want to be with you and I want to be intimate with you and I want to draw near to you. And her question is basically, Why? Yeah. Like, why would he choose me? And throughout that whole book, which is it's a beautiful. Uh, story of marriage, but it's also a beautiful picture of the marriage, the great, the, the the marriage between Christ and us that human marriage is intended to reflect. And throughout the book, that little book of the Song of Solomon, there's never an answer given as to why. It just is. He just loves her, and he draws her to himself, and the process, in the process, she is transformed, as we are, as we spend time with Christ. The
0: Incomparable Love of Jesus, 50 Days with Jesus, Incomparable, is by Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth. Here's our number, 877-548-3675. More straight ahead. Today is the auspicious anniversary of the Roe v. Wade decision back in 1973, and even though that ruling was overturned, those who see the value of every life have a lot of work to do. March for Life went as planned, I hear, in uh, some chilly weather last Friday. Their theme, With Every Woman, For Every Child. One of the speakers mentioned that pregnancy resource centers like CareNet are the backbone of the pro-life movement and I agree and this month we're highlighting CareNet's abortion recovery and care ministry arc specifically for those who've made a choice a long time ago who need the hope and the healing that comes from God's forgiveness and to really believe that and what Nancy was just saying about that you know if I don't if I walk in the room and I don't feel like God really wants to spend time with me. There is a sense that I need to in faith believe what he says and and walk in that. The same thing happens when you go through this material that Karen has put together for those who have gone through an abortion in the past to really believe that this is what God is saying about you. Click the green Karenet button today. You'll see a link to their website click abortion recovery and care you find out about it maybe you need it maybe somebody you know needs to hear about carenet so grateful for them i think you will be too when you click carenet at chrisfabrylive.org Nancy DeMoss Wagamuth is joining us today at the Radio Backyard Fence i put a question up on facebook and sarah said this i want to get you to respond I am so encouraged when I look at John 15 and realize that my striving to bear fruit is not the focus. Jesus wants us to come and abide with him, and in that abiding, he will help us bear fruit. He has brought to my mind so often in the last couple of weeks the thought that I need to stop striving because all my righteousness is in him, and that as I abide, I will want to bear fruit in a way that is much different than doing it apart from him. I think Sarah got it. What do you she think?
1: She nailed it. So good. So good. Yeah, you don't ever see a. Uh, um, we have a lot of fruit trees here in southwestern Michigan, and you drive through just miles and miles of apple trees and um, all kinds of fruit, and you don't see those trees just like striving, struggling to to pop out fruit. You know, I'm, I'm going to be fruitful. It just. It happens in the way God has made those trees to produce fruit. He puts the life in them. Well, when the life of Christ is in us, Sarah said it so beautifully, his life produces his fruit in us. And I think so many of us, our idea of the Christian life is like striving, struggling. I will be loving and kind and patient if it kills me, not realizing that As we recognize that we are in Christ and he is in us, he is producing his fruit, his life in us. It doesn't mean we don't have to obey or we don't have to repent or we don't have to um, take steps to walk with him. But the power, it's Philippians 2, verse 13. It is God who is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He gives us the desire to bear fruit. And he's the one who enables us to bear fruit. And that, but what Sarah said, it just takes the pressure off. And again, it's the life of Jesus in me. Everything that he is, he is in me. So I can't love that person that has hurt me, wounded me, wronged me. You're right, I can't. And I'm not going to just like bare knuckle and say, I'm going to love that person. I'm going to say, Jesus, I can't thank you that you live in me and you can. Would you love that person through me? May they see your love, experience your grace, experience your mercy through me. I'm just a vehicle and I want you to bear fruit through me. And then he does what we cannot do apart from him.
0: And that's part of, uh, as I mentioned, the, the faith angle of this. The, the, the enemy loves to kill, steal, destroy. He loves to tempt. He loves to take you away from the love of God. We see it even in Jesus' life, you know, what the enemy tried to do with him and uh, how Jesus pushed back against him using the word. But if I, if I, uh, you know, start my devotion, start my prayer, and my, the image in my mind is God shaking his head and thinking, you know, oh, no, here's this guy again— um, then it's an opportunity for me to do exactly what you were saying and to, and to place my faith fully in how he, f- how he says he feels. And it, This is how I feel today, it, and I'm going to choose not to believe that. I'm going to choose to believe that you are looking at me with delight, right?
1: Absolutely. But I'll say, Chris, that the thing that fuels faith, and we've both experienced this so many times, is the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. So if we are soaking in the world's music, the world's um, podcasts and TV programs and speakers and politicians and whatever is the top of mind, um, the influencers of this world, and we're just imbibing that culture and their words and the teaching of this world— We're not going to have the faith that we need to see ourselves as God sees us, to live as he wants us to live, to love as he wants us to love. We're not going to love Jesus. We're not even going to know who he is, much less be able to be like him, which is why we need that time to Soak in His presence, to soak in His Word, to steep in. And I, I'm a, not a coffee person, but I'm a tea person. So I, I come down in the morning and I put my tea bag in a cup of hot water and I let it steep. I let the it seep into the water so that it flavors the water. It every part of particle of that water is. Touched by that tea. That's what I want Jesus to be in me. And that's what happens as I soak in his word and what he has said about himself, so that I come to believe what he says more than I believe what my emotions tell me. Yes. What others are telling me or what just makes common sense to me. I come to believe things that are otherwise unbelievable if his word is abiding in me. And that's you go back to John 15, where Sarah took us just a moment ago.
0: So the value of taking this kind of journey, fifty days, is because there are a lot of things that compete for our attention and that are going to compete in this election year. A lot of things that to try to, you know, take us off the track.
1: The oh, more Chris, you it's...
0: steep, the more you and see who Jesus really is. It, it'll make a difference.
1: And here's the thing. We sing these, some of us old-timers anyway, sing these songs, you know, Jesus is all the world to me. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Fairest Lord Jesus, that, that, there was a group, an ensemble that sang that hymn in our church yesterday morning. I was in tears by the end of it. It's an old hymn, so familiar, but it's just extolling the beauty of who Jesus is. But I wasn't moved by it until somebody pointed out to me in a fresh way how wonderful he is, son of God, son of man, and just the wonders of the words in that hymn. And, you know, during this Lenten season coming up, We will have a whole lot of other things vying for our attention. There's going to be this perpetual, like, longest election year in the history of the world, I think. Um, And we're hearing about it all the time. There's going to be March Madness, for those who are interested in that. And that's going to be all the talk around the water coolers and the conversations and the social media. And that's why I think we've got to just, like, push the pause button on some of these things and say, I don't want that to be the predominant intake. I'm not saying put your head in the sand, and I'm not saying don't watch. My husband and I love watching football and uh, basketball together in the season. We love baseball. Go Cubs. But um, what I want to really be soaking in is who Jesus is. And that's why I'm saying this 50-day journey with Jesus could really reorient the way we see everything. The way we think about everything, the way we see Him, the way we love Him, the way we understand His ways, the way we respond to Him, the way we as Christians show Him to those who don't know Jesus. And in fact, I've given this book to three non-believing friends that Robert and I have been praying for for a long time, and I'm, we're just praying, Lord, would you would you open their eyes to see? who Jesus is, and open up conversations that we can talk with them about our relationship with him. We do that, but I, just, I think it's a resource, it's a tool that can help people get to know someone that most of the world thinks is, yeah, that's somebody from a long time ago. What relevance does he have for this world we live in? Well, he is all the world. We have nothing without him, and that's what I'm wanting to point people to.
0: And the title is Incomparable, 50 Days with Jesus. If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, just click through today's information. You'll see it right there, and information about Nancy and her website as well. Incomparable, go to chrisfabrylive.org. As I was going through the book, it all came down to one scene in the Gospels. I'll tell you what it is straight ahead on Moody Radio. talking with one of our good friends today at the Radio Backyard Fence, Nancy Demoss Walgamuth. Featured resources, incomparable. Fifty days with Jesus. What might happen in your life if you took the next fifty days and just narrowed down on who Jesus really, who Jesus said He is, and look at that through the script, the lens of the scripture, and through these devotionals, and the as I mentioned earlier the questions that Nancy comes up with, I think it will change the way uh, you have that one person. Uh, I think it was Marshall Shelley who, who called him well-intentioned dragons. <laughs> you got a well-intentioned <laughs> dragon in your life. You know, this person who pushes your buttons all the time. It, it, it will change the way you look at that person. It will change mm-hmm. the way that y- you live. But as long as as I've lived and the more that I've read about Jesus – I keep thinking it all boils down to this one scene in the Gospels. It keeps coming back to this scene, and the place is Gethsemane. To me, it all hinges on Gethsemane, and so much of the Christian world is about success and goals, and if you're in God's will, and you won't struggle, and you won't hurt, and you won't have any pain, and there's not going to be any doubt in your world— And there was no one who was in the will of God more than Jesus, and he struggled with the outworking of his father's plan there in Gethsemane. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, it's an incredible thing that Jesus would have been willing, at the direction of his father, to go through that ordeal for us. The very word Gethsemane comes from a Hebrew term that means oil press. Of course, you know, um, olives are famous in that part of the world and olive oil. And <clears throat> in order for the for the olive oil to be made, the olives have to go into this very rigorous um, pressing with heavy weights on them being just all chewed up and beat up and spit out kind of in order for the oil to be produced. And what a picture of Jesus in that place, surrounded by olive trees. He well knew the crushing pressure that was applied to those olives in order to make olive oil. And here he is being pressed, body, soul, and spirit, as he faces the cross. Knowing that is coming, knowing what the Father has Asked him to do, directed him to do. And from eternity past, this was no surprise. And Jesus, as a man, grappling, wrestling, um, feeling the weight of what was ahead of him. And as a human, as a man, saying, Is there any way not to have to go through this? And knowing that as God, he could have gotten out of it, he could have called 10,000 angels. To destroy the world and set him free. We used to sing that song. But no, he, he, he bows his head and he says, yes, Lord. He prays. He, he says, here's what I wish could be the case. If, if the world could be saved and I wouldn't have to go through this, that's what I would choose. But he knows that the world can't be saved unless he does go through this. And so he says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, your will, not mine, be done. So none of us in a hard-pressed place can ever look at Jesus and say, you don't understand. When God's will crosses my will and it feels excruciatingly difficult, that relationship, that loss, that pain, that problem, and we say, I can't go through this. I can't obey God in this way. Jesus, you just don't understand. Yes, he does. He's been there. And he prayed. He surrendered himself to the will of the Father, and he went from there to the cross all the way, but always knowing that beyond the cross, that's not the last chapter, beyond the cross is the resurrection. And so he set his eyes on the joy that was set before him, and he endured at the garden. But the Garden of Eden was the other garden where Adam and Eve said, we'll have it our way no, Lord. And here now in a garden tempted by the devil himself, Jesus says, I'm going God's way. I'm saying, yes, Lord. And don't, are we so grateful that he did? Because if he had failed that test, as Adam and Eve, our first parents did, we, we could not have any hope, any salvation, we would forever be subject to the wrath and the judgment of God. But We have hope, we have life, we have grace, we have peace, we have everlasting life, because Jesus went through the garden, went through the shame, went through the pain, went through the death so that we could have life. It's That's the gospel. That's the gospel. And it's, I, you know, I don't ever want to get over it. Amen. And I hope I won't for all eternity.
0: Can we stop right here? We're almost at the end, Nancy. And... For somebody who's staring at the radio and they're going through their Gethsemane, mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is, driving down the road, and they're, and that's the way that they felt all day today and maybe the weekend. Would you pray for that person?
1: Yes, I'll be glad to. And, Lord, thank you that you describe for us in the Scripture what that was like. Uh, it describes Jesus as being sorrowful, troubled deeply grieved, deeply distressed, in agony. And none of us, O Father, has ever had to experience anything quite like that. And yet because we are sinners and we live in a sinful and broken world, we're impacted by sin, whether it's ours or others, every day of our lives. Some of those things put us in a distressing and troubled place and in agony. And Lord, thank you that you care, that you care enough for the person in agony, every one of us in different ways, that you sent Jesus to bear that for us. And I pray that the message of the gospel, the message of what Jesus did for us on the cross, bearing our sin, bearing the sin of the world, would become a message of hope, that you would lift the heads that are bowed, that um, are discouraged, disheartened, overwrought today with pain and grief and that you would bring the life and the hope and the peace of Christ, his mercy, his grace to overcome the world and Satan and the despair. That doesn't mean the problems will all go away, but in the midst of the darkness, may my friend suffering today experience the light and the grace of Christ. Know that beyond this hard place, this Gethsemane, the best is yet to come. There is life. The darkness will be moved away. There will be no more sin, no more sorrow, no more dying, no more pain, no more crying, no more um, hunger, no more thirst. All of that will be transformed, a new heavens, a new earth where we will live with you forever in your presence, with fullness of joy forever, all because of our incomparable Savior. So, Lord, give hope, give peace, give grace today to someone who desperately needs it, and don't we all. Hmm. So we pray with thanksgiving Hmm. in Jesus' name, his great name, Hmm. amen.
0: Amen. Amen, amen, Nancy, I I said at the beginning of the program, it's going to be encouraging. And um, I really believe that there's something going on in in somebody's heart and life. And I say that not because I'm a prophet, because it's going on in mine. (laughs) Thank Mm -hmm. you for putting this together, incomparable 50 days with Jesus. The other tag on this whole thing is uh, thinking about Gethsemane is I often think of prayer requests and answered prayer. It is these great answers to prayer that we've had here. And we label answers to prayer the things that have gone the way that we wanted them to. <laughs> we ask God to do them. but we And then these, these others here are unanswered. The, Jesus, the prayer that Jesus prayed was answered. And God said, no, no, this is it over here. And thankfully, Jesus said, not my will, but yours. And so um, we walk into this season that's coming with great joy and yet with just this stark feeling of what he went through for us. Yes. Um Thank you again uh, for putting this incomparable together. You say hi to Robert for me, my friend.
1: We'll uh, do. We love you, Chris. So grateful for you and our friends at Moody Radio.
0: If you go to chrisfabrylive.org, you can see that featured resource. Click through today's information right there, and you'll see more about Nancy, links to her website, and a link to incomparable 50 Days with Jesus. Hey, thanks a lot for your support. Click the green CareNet button and come on back tomorrow for another conversation at the radio backyard fence. Chris Fabry Live is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.